Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark, with you here every week, every Sunday and Tuesday evenings. And this week we have a, a returning guest and actually a co-host, and not for this particular show, but for his own show on Valley Radio. Welcome, Dwayne Davidson. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, and you have you started out being a guest on my show a couple times, and then because I'm such a wonderful salesperson, <laughs> <laughs> I was able to convince you that maybe um, you needed to be on the radio with us. And so you came up with, I actually thought of, of doing a show uh, talking about politics and things that are going up the state level, because obviously you have unique experience in that. But you had another idea, and that did fit in with a lot of our plans of what we wanted to do with the radio station. And that is, you know, dipping more into the heritage and the history of the Snoqualmie Valley. So you started your own show and it's been going on for about two months now, I think. Yes, it has. And I, I, I can tell you, uh, Heather, this has just been kind of a dream come true for me because it's been one of my bucket list items to write at least one book, uh, which I'm uh, attempting to start uh, on doing. And also, uh, just to explore, uh, do something to help uh, 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 capture and uh, and convey, relay the, the the local history of the Snoqualmie Valley because it was such a. Uh, I'm sure that everybody has their hometown, and everybody has their hometown. Everybody has very fond memories of their hometown. But I have to say that I think the Snoqualmie Valley. Uh, was just a remarkable place to be a a, a, a child uh, at and raised up. But first of all, probably for me, because I had such a large extended family, and I so I had that wonderful experience, and they were uh, all in that proximity for the most part. Uh, and it just was uh, just a uh, uh, a really exciting community with a lot of uh, variety of industries and people and cultures and ethnic groups and stuff. And it just was so uh, interesting. I think it just awarded me with an experience that some people don't get. And I, uh, um, uh, uh, I just, I just thought it was a wonderful place to grow up. And so I want to try to give some of that back by sharing uh, with that. And plus I just, I love local history because I believe that any, uh, uh, um, any wherever you're from, I think that local history really is important. I think in some ways it can be the most important history that we learn because while international world history and national history is extremely important for us and for our knowledge base, local history is just a sub part of that at the local level when it's actually where, where it's impacting the people the most. That's where it played out. This is, this is the final act. And so we can talk about let me just jump right into the fray of things. You just pick like a really big, that just recently in some of my discussions about production of the show has come up. Uh, just pick a topic, any topic. I'm going to pick a big one. And that was the Japanese internment during World War II. That's a huge, very, very sensitive issue. One of the largest scales racial profiling this nation's ever done. And that played out right in the Sokwami Valley with families that are still around to this to this day family I, I won't name their names because i don't have their permission to really share their personal experiences right now but i know who they are <laughs> they, they were classmates of mine before that their ancestors were classmates of my grandparents and local folk couldn't believe what was happening to them they said, why, wait a minute, why, you know, they could maybe understand this on a larger scale, but not those folks. They, they, they got this wrong. They're, they're just good American uh, folks that are just trying to make a living with the rest of us. What are you doing here? And I think that's where sometimes, you know, local history can really be very important is because it's where it really hits the ground and touches people. And that's where we'll learn that if we dive into that particular subject, we'll see that there wasn't, you know, the universal buy into this. People at the local level thought that to some degree, this is totally wrong. And it's good that we have those kind of discussions and learn how this all plays out, because I think those type of experiences may help us from ever committing 
acts like that again. Well, I think that at a deeper level too, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a curmudgeon. I fully admit that I'm a curmudgeon. Um, but I think, I don't think big is good. I don't think huge, huge communities. I don't think large cities. I don't think bureaucracies are good things. I think mm-hmm. that they're things that are sometimes necessary, but I think that they really carry a heavy burden with them on our, our uh, socialization and on our understanding of the world. And I think that you throw in some social media in there and people have just become so disassociated from their communities, from their heritage. Um, I was talking to my daughter last night and I said, you know, I, I, my, I did not have the benefit of an extended family. We were very isolated, just my mom and dad and my sister and me growing up in a farm field with nobody around. And so there weren't grandparents, there weren't any, there wasn't anybody like that. So I didn't really have a heritage, yet I was surrounded by farm communities where sometimes it was six, seven generations in the same farm and in the same house. And some of my classmates, I, you know, I mean, they didn't think anything of, yeah, that's grandma's bedstead or that's, you know, grandpa's, uh, you know, whatever. And, and I just was always so envious of that. I thought, you, you know, these people, you even have pictures of these people. Wow you were a part of of a whole line of people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that line will continue after you and that to me was a huge concept so i've tried to create that heritage for my children and um even for their for their children now Mm -hmm. um where you are you are a part of something you're a part of something that has gone on before and will go on later and Mm -hmm. you're not just all alone and you're not just because um, I think that creates some very isolated and selfish people. So mm-hmm. what you're saying to me, what I'm hearing is that learning about the community and what happened in the community and to the people like us, that helps us understand that we're part of something much bigger. And I think right. it's a healthy thing. It's mm-hmm. impossible to do it when you're studying, you know, tens of thousands of people because you're not, you know, those are just people out there you're not you're you're not part of those people but when you're talking about your friends your neighbors that these things happen to then that's something you can relate to and i think that that's something that not only enriches your life but it enriches our world am i getting absolutely there Uh, you know (laughs) but i i I feel that very strongly um Mm -hmm. you know that we have an obligation to that so i really enjoy your show i've listened to a few of them and and um gosh it's good it's, it's good to talk to these folks who know about history and uh, know what has gone on before us. And um, I've enjoyed your show. Tell me well, some of the, the historical um, interviews you've done in case people have missed the show. Well, so far, I'm uh, it, at first glance, it might seem like I'm taking the easy way out of uh, interviewing just the museum directors. But I felt that it was important to start off paying homage to those societies and those organizations inside the valley that are seeking to do the same thing I'm doing in large scale with this radio program. And that is to um, uh, to, to honor the uh, the past. And and so the Duval, Carnation, Tolt, Fall City, Snoqualmie Valley, historical societies have all been uh, guests to this part, uh, 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 I purposely have singled them out to be the beginning of my program so that I can not only pay uh, respect to them for the massive amount of work that they've done with an army of volunteers, but also has helped me uh, learn some topics for future shows because they come up during some of these discussions. And I don't know one will say, well, just how long can you have a program about this? Because, you know, it's a rather small valley. It can go on for quite a long time because I just keep identifying these other fascinating aspects of our um, uh, of our history that I'm just jotting down and and uh, uh, as I go and are making, you know, future topic, uh, future topics list. And we're starting to get into that now, now that we've went through all the various historical societies, we're going to start on uh, some of the projects that uh, um, that are more specific in nature. Uh, the first one will broadcast next Monday night about the Barnegan program. 
which is an interesting program that uh, one of our local uh, county uh, uh, council members has been very involved in that is, uh, has sought for grant funding to help for the preservations of some of our historic barns uh, through uh, the valley. Mm -hmm. um, an upcoming program in a couple weeks is going to be about the railroad rivalry that came through the uh, valley with these big giant corporations, the Great Northern and the Milwaukee Road, which once again, on a national level, these are big giant corporations that basically played one part of their chess game right in our little valley because this was at the this was the western terminus of their lines of their transcontinental lines and they had to determine you know their lines that went to Everett which was a major port city who is going to have dominance who is able to lay out the tracks in a better way that had a better grade that made it a more efficient rail line for you know for history who would capture the most businesses on their line who would and this was a major nasty rival duel being fought out and the underdog which was the milwaukee road won uh wow. in our particular place they lost the war they went bankrupt a few years a couple of decades later yeah. but in this particular case they won out and the great northern uh re retreated and pulled up their line in just after just a little over a decade of operation and licked their wounds and went to other places. But these type of things are some people just, well, there was once two railroads in town, one folded after the well. That's that's a factual history as you read it out of a book, blah, blah, blah. But when you get into the details, you find out that this was this was big stuff. This was the fighting for dominance of rail lines and who was going to have the most profitable lines and and uh uh these things were fought out in a very big way and right in our little valley i think it's also interesting that um the the fact that the major transportation well first of all it started off in the valley of course with our native american uh, friends by canoe and then the very next form of transportation that took dominance was steamboats and if people are familiar with Snoqualmie Valley and drive on 203 and look at Snoqualmie River or the Skykomish River, you would ask yourself, how does a steamboat navigate those waters? It doesn't look like that. It does that. It doesn't look like the Mississippi. I mean, how does a, how does a steamboat come up that river? The answer is they had to wait till the water was right to do so. And some things needed to be transported by steamboat because they're big, heavy, bulky in nature, like a big oven, stove, cast iron stove, or a steam engine, or some other big, you know, um, uh, iron appliance uh, uh, equipment needed to be delivered to the sawmills and things that were springing up. But they just couldn't do it any other time. They didn't have overnight Amazon Prime delivery back then. You know, they had to wait till the water tables were just right so that they could make a run with a boat and get it delivered and get back out before the water fell and the boats. Uh, and so, the, you know, we, our ancestors were in some ways where there's another lesson. They were kind of more in tune to nature than we are today. They, they you had to be. I, they, you had to be. Yeah. You had to kind of play along with things because, uh, uh, um, and uh, that just the way it was. And so, I find all these uh, 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 these stories so fascinating, uh, uh, and we're going to we're going to try to tell them all. Uh, the other thing I'm going to be really excited to get into is families and the family history, because that's when we get individuals and do basically a live oral history with someone about one of these prominent families that came here to, you know, seek a a better, a better life, be it through economic opportunity, religious freedom, many things that brought people to uh, uh, to the uh, valley. They're filled with individuals of really, really, really interesting stories. My own family, I have to admit, has <laughs> been around. You know, some of the members been around since the late eighteen hundreds in the um, in the Monroe to Duval Incarnation area. Uh, there were some interesting characters in that lot and some interesting stories to tell. 
I'd like you to should, just... have, have you talked with Carol Whipple? No. Oh, you need to, I need to give you her phone number. Carol has, is going to, I'm sure she will not mind that I mentioned her age. She's going to be 102. Um, and she's not driving as much as she used to, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she is sharp as a tack and she moved to Duval um, in the early fifties. And she has lots of amusing stories about some of the families who uh, now that they're all grown up and older and everything, uh, you know, are quite reputable. But some of them when they were younger, you know, <laughs> they well, were let's, let's face it. They, it was a frontier town and it yeah. was a that's just where people that wanted to live on the edge. This is back when we had a frontier and there was a certain segment of the population that was drawn to that. Yes. It was people that wanted I'm to drawn to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was like the Alaska was just a couple of days. I mean, this was the, uh, this was the frontier. This was where things were a little bit rowdy and people were kind of independent on their own and people were drawn to that. Let's not make no And so it, uh, if your ancestors were here, they probably were of that sort. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, well, and I, you know, I told you, I always wanted to write a book. I applied for a grant for it because I didn't have all this recording equipment, but I always wanted to write a book with some of the older people in town, particularly women, because most of those women who are quite elderly came to town when it was logging. And then it went to farming. And so I was gonna, I was gonna call my book the um, uh, uh, loggers, farmers, and hippie chicks because then in the seventies, <laughs> we all know what happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? um, so that that's my. You talked about you wanting to write a book. That's the book I want to write: loggers, farmers, and hippie chicks. <laughs> I love it. I love that title. It sounds good. It's uh, it's very interesting. Yes, women played an important, prominent role through the two. Uh, well, they always have, but especially uh, during the war, uh, the wars, yeah. because uh, all the and and uh, uh, um, we've learned that that that's also where they needed a lot of the Japanese uh, 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 labor mm -hmm. was because the um, uh, during the war there was enough work to go around and women and Japanese and, and others were employed in great numbers up at places like Warehouse or Mill mm -hmm. to keep things going because so many people were shipped overseas. And so uh, um, where would we have been without that effort brought by brought to, forth by those, uh, those people? One story I want to uh, uh, convey that I just find fascinating is in my own family uh, history, my great-grandfather, um, came here from Nebraska uh, basically because he was a younger of the family and the family farm wasn't in his, uh, you know, that it wasn't going to be his, uh, uh, it was going to go to the older generation. And so he needed to kind of find strike out and they went to Spokane and then they came to Duval. But before coming to Duval, they stopped at the land office because a train of course went to Seattle and before they came out to Duval, they went into the land office and inquired about the opportunities awaited them. And there was one last rem remaining homestead, one last remaining homestead that actually uh, was issued much later than all the other land patents. And it was all by itself available. And my, my great grandfather, not knowing any better, just said, well, I better snatch this up not knowing it had been on the books for some time. I read this, what does it take? Well, I, you know, it's 40 bucks or whatever it was. And as application, you need to do betterments to it for five years. And it's yours. Sound like a good deal to my, uh, my great grandpa. They bought it. And then they got on the train and went to Duval to, to claim their prize. And they got off of the train at a little stop called Bacchus, which is north of Duval, right by the county line is uh, just about two miles out of Duval, um, north going towards Monroe. And the farm was basically standing up on end. It was a hillside. And these folks were from Nebraska. And they just looked at it. To them, that was not a hill. That was a mountain. And it just basically went straight up. Way too much for a cow to navigate. You, 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 there, there's only 
one species, well, maybe two species of farm animals that can survive there. That was pigs and goats. And suddenly they realized that they had plopped down all their extra money and bought a hillside and there was no going back. So what did they do? So he went into goats and, <laughs> and, and pigs. And that wasn't what he wanted to be known as, as a pig farmer or a goat farmer. But there was a growing ethnic group that uh, wanted the type of milk and meat at that period of time. Later, we found out that, you know, the property, it was eaters for lactose intolerant people and stuff like this had merits. But that was at the beginning of all this. And it turned out to be a pretty profitable venture for him. But there was no going back. They, it, it was a serious, you know, misplay on their part to buy something unseen, but they made the best of it and he made a fairly good go at it. And it just, uh, I think that that's another lesson in life, isn't it? Yes, so no kidding. Well, you know, it's interesting because my uh, grandmother um, was born in 1900 and uh, in Massachusetts. And when she was about 11 or 12, her father came out here and homesteaded, you know, got a, a, a land grant for a piece of land near Lake McMurray. So if you go north on I-5 up there, up north of Granite Falls, there's a Lake McMurray. And they had a plot of land right on the side of the lake. But she said they stayed there for like two or three years, but he couldn't farm it because it was all old growth timber those huge roots and they could not clear it to make enough of a farm um, mm -hmm. so that they could make a living but she said the stumps were so large that she and her two sisters would put furniture on top of them and play house and <laughs> she talked about um uh, that she had a younger brother and the girls were supposed to watch the younger brother in his buggy but instead they went on top of the tree stump and then they happened to notice that the buggy was rolling down the hill into the lake. And so they all started chasing it. And she said they got to the lake and they looked in and there was their brother in the buggy looking up at them. So they dived in and got him, you know, and uh, no, he was no worse for the wear and don't tell mom, you know. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but she talked about forest fires when the mother would take the younger ones and go somewhere else. And the father would join the men to fight the fire, forest fires. And her, she and her two sisters who were all about 11, 12, 13, had to stay home and go to the lake with uh, burlap bags and then take them up on a ladder and put them on the roof of the house so that the sparks wouldn't light the... Can you imagine today leaving 11, 12, and 13-year-old girls at home in a forest fire to protect the house? You know, mm -hmm. different times, you know. Different, different, times. different times. Yeah, so they left there and then they went up to Leduc, Alberta. And that's where my mom was born and, you know, which is, uh, and that's why I'm half Canadian. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, bless the dual citizenship. I keep looking around here thinking, well, if it all goes to pot, I can always try to go to Canada. I've got my passport. <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting enough, this is, this is a real interesting topic. Part of my family actually immigrated here from England via Canada and uh, the, the same family, they came to Nebraska, different uh, um members of that family uh, actually went back yeah. to Canada. They they did not like the American experience that they experienced. And they actually went back yeah. uh, to, at that time, a very uh, still loyal, loyalist uh, atmosphere, oh, which yeah. they felt strong about. They were very strong. Uh, they were Anglican yeah. uh, in their religion. They were, uh, to them, um, living with the Yankees was not uh, and, and so they, so that happened to my family too. They actually came to the States and then went back to Canada. And so that's, yeah. um, well, that's funny. Well, you know, I think things were, borders were more fluid back then for the, that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's funny. You know, I mean, uh, but when I, well, when I was a child, I mean, cause my mother grew up in Canada when it was definitely a possession of the Queens. And I never knew when I was a little kid, I, I couldn't understand why all the people at the, at the high school football games didn't know the words to the song because <laughs> I, I knew, you know, God save our gracious queen, God save the glorious queen, God save our queen. You mm -hmm. know, I know that, 
I know that song, but I still don't know the American words for it. Every now and then I go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. But they don't stick like the God Save the Queen version. <laughs> so I was, God, I was God saving the Queen while everybody else was, you know, rallying for America. And I never knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what makes looking at our heritage and looking at our history so fascinating and interesting. And mm -hmm. I think that I do think we we down tend to downplay it in today's fast paced, you know, call Amazon for everything instead of calling grandma kind of, uh, of a world. I think there are a lot of people who live that way and it's much more fluid, although it sounds like it was very fluid back in the early 19th century and 20th centuries, you know, um, but and I don't know, I, I just think that looking at where we've been and where we come from is just so crucial to knowing that we're also going somewhere. Um, I think it's important. And, and that we have a lot more in common with our ancestors than we think we do. Uh, they, we'd like to try to, you know, give them proper tribute, but at the same time, we kind of categorize them that we know that they were all in this very unison way that they all came here with a singleness in mind to build a better, you know, uh, and, and, and there was not much other strife except for uh, foreign sources. Well, Lord knows we, we know better than that. Civil War was a testament to that. The, um, the, uh, the experience of just what we just shared that some of our ancestors just said, not nah, this isn't exactly why I had a mind and went back. Mm -hmm. uh, is is reflective is that's not anti-American to say to 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 think about that and study that it just shows that there it was such a huge variety of experiences in all of our ancestry and it's good to we know that because when we pay them the due respect to actually know what their story is it helps explain us in a better way and for us to have a better understanding about who we are and that we're a continuum, like you said at the very beginning. We're not something new. We're a continuum of something yes. that's been set in, in, in the past. Mm -hmm. And the better we become in tune to that, the better we'll get along with everybody else. Well, and I think the more, the better we will be in the world. Because, you know, if we operate as if, you know, the world starts and stops with us, not only on a personal level, but also on an ecological level or a historical level, you know, we, we're not doing a service to no. the world around us. You know, we're, we may, you know, if, if we don't think about that string of people that's coming in the future and we just use up what we want to use up, then what about them? You know, if we right. don't feel any, uh, any kind of association and the only way that we're going to have that association is by knowing that this also is where we came from. You know, right. we came from something and somebody else will come from us. And, uh, you know, if not literally figuratively. And I, I just think it's so important. I just really do to to stop, take a deep breath and look at where we've been, where we've come from. And then we can have a better uh, idea of where we're going to go and how to get there, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So without wasting things and without tearing things down and, you know, so I, I'm probably sounding very ancient and, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, I do think it's important. And I do think also that when you're very young, you don't necessarily think of those things. The, those are thoughts that come a little later in your lifetime as they should. So, mm -hmm. so we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming down the road. Uh, for your show. And I, I also want to mention a couple of other shows that, that Valley Talk uh, Valley Radio is doing right now, because by gummy, we've got some good ones, don't we, Duane? I mean, we're, I think we're doing for a small community radio station, we are coming up with some really important shows and uh, uh, providing a real uh, um, service to our community. And so I, I want to talk about that as long as we're talking talk shows here. So we're going to take a brief break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more with Dwayne Davidson and me, Heather Stark. And uh, we will learn more about our community and what's down the road for some of the talk shows on Valley Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to Valley 104.9, your station for Valley talk and information. The Soquamay Valley has such a rich history. Small communities founded by immigrants from around the world seeking economic opportunities and a new start in life. On Tales from Tolt, Monday night at 6 p.m., we reflect back on these interesting individuals, families, and events that made this valley what it is today. So once again, for stories of local history throughout the valley, tune in to Tales from Tolt, 
Monday night, 6 p.m. Keeping track of giving back in the Valley is the show that spotlights nonprofit organizations, over 70 of them, as a matter of fact, that help all of us who live, work, and play right here in our wonderful Snoqualmie Valley. My name is Jay Fisk. I hope you'll join me every Sunday evening where we explore what these great nonprofits do for all of us who live, work, and play right here in our Valley. Join me Sunday evening at 5.30 and again Monday evening at 6.30 on Valley 104.9 FM, your voice of the Valley. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark, your host for this show, but we have Dwayne Davidson with us, who is a host for another show. Welcome, Dwayne. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We've been talking about Tales from Tolt, your show that you've been working on really hard. And uh, boy, you've done some good stuff. You've really done some good digging uh, uh, of of things to find and talk about. I love the idea of, of learning more about the railroads because I think Today, transportation is so easy. I mean, unless you're caught in rush hour, you know, in Seattle, <laughs> but basically even that is easy uh, comparatively. Um, where I grew up in Ohio, in rural Ohio, there are canals because of course it's flat as a board and uh, there's not as many rivers and stuff. Although we did have the glaciers that came down through there, but um, transportation um, back in the mid 1800s was oftentimes done by canals. Well, that's great. And we've all heard of the Erie Canal, which was a large venture, you know, uh, but what I didn't know until relatively recently is that investors would get together ordinary people and they would pool their pennies and their dollars and they would build a canal from point a to point b to transfer goods into their communities and the one that i know about, i lived right next to where the erie canal was the remnants of it um but about 10 15 miles down the road there was another canal a huron canal i didn't know until a few years ago when i happened upon a manuscript in a box at an old auction and i read this and this man had written this history of a community venture to build a canal and they literally pooled their pennies they built the canal. It was a private investment. They all got a return on their investment. Nobody went broke. It was quite successful for maybe 12 or 15 years. And I thought when you were talking about the railroads before, I thought, how come nobody ever did that with railroads? Well, well, uh, actually, in that exact scenario that you talk about with uh, little private ventures, uh, it, it may there may not be a comparison there, but I. But I do find it very fascinating. I think most readers, most listeners will too, to know that Everett uh, uh, all the way to Tacoma and basically all points in between, all the metropolitan areas of the Seattle area was all nicely connected with an uh, inner urban rail system, electric powered at the turn of the last century. And that's so fascinating that the, what we want today and what we're spending tons of money to try to achieve actually existed by our forefathers long ago. And there's lots of theories. Some people refute these, but there's lots of theories that they were purchased. These rail lines were purchased by the Firestone and Goodyear corporations because of the emergence of automobiles to shut them down and put people into cars that benefited their industry. Now that's a rumor that's out there that you'll find lots of documentation, lots of books written about, about how these cable cars and inner, uh, urban rail systems were basically shut down all throughout the United States. But it existed in, um, it existed in our area that we had what I think most people would, would aspire to like, well, well, maybe instead of spending, today. And maybe instead of spending billions and billions of dollars in cost overruns to get some sort of sound transit, they should just go out and research where those old tracks are and start dusting them off. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, we know where most of them are, and most of them are now bike trails, and you're not going to get uh, those away from no. Those. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be a little bit of political rub there, lay tracks on those again. But yeah. <laughs> it, it, but it is most of the grades were put to some of them reverted back to private ownership. Many of them put into the bike trails that exist today, but it's a really fascinating history that, you know, there was a, there was a, um, uh, 
our our five our four fathers our ancestors were really on it they were yeah. they were rather smart folks in many regards and it's really too bad that this wonderful system that they built was uh was all dismantled unfortunately yeah. for the automobile uh, later on so well i have uh, to i have to be a little off color here Dwayne, but i always joke that every generation thinks they've invented sex and child rearing uh, <laughs> that it's never been done at least it's never been done before no no never been done before but apparently yeah. i'm gonna to have to alter that that philosophy and include that with transportation <laughs> <laughs> that's good anyway. well we okay. talked a little bit about your show but i also want to mention have you had a chance to listen listen to jay fisk's show on uh, keeping track of giving back yes well, i have Are they amazing uh, i mean mm -hmm. I think what he's doing is just amazing. I, I got an email from someone the other day from an organization, a nonprofit, and I just forwarded it right to Jay. And he went, yep, I'd like to interview those folks for my show. You know, um, I, I think that, you know, by, by reaching out to the community, when we, we are really identifying areas in our community that we should all know about, but we don't necessarily, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I'm, I just... Of course, I'm why I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of Valley Radio. Obviously, that's why we I donate my time. But um, I, I think it's important. And uh, again, you know, I mean, you're not seeing the Seattle Times do this. You're not seeing Cairo or Como do this. You're seeing us doing this with our community. And I just think it's so important that we deserve a whole cheer squad. And the, and the neat thing about it is there is so much good happening. And like you said, so a couple of these new programs in addition to mine are, are, are so great. And the neat thing is there's room for more. Yeah. There's actually, there's actually, there, there's a lot of good, uh, uh, the music uh, that plays and stuff. And there's a lot of people that tune in for that, but there is opportunity for other uh, shows to, mm -hmm. for different topics to, uh, expand on this whole community type of theme because that's what community radio is all about correct right. it's right. all about exactly. it's all about the community and whether it be uh, 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 helping the nonprofits and the and uh, in, in this regard or learning more about ourselves through our history or uh, uh, other aspects of it there's so many just just go to the website. For those that may not have done this yet, go to uh, uh, Valley Talk Radio 104.9's website. It's easy to find. Well, it's Valley 1049. 1049. I'm sorry, yeah. and and uh, just uh, scroll down the programs mm -hmm. and see all the various ones there, and it's it's really a, a, a it's such a variety. Well, and I don't think I don't know if a lot of people know this, but what we archive our talk shows. Tales from Told, Valley Talk, Three Women, Three Ways, giving, Keeping Track of Giving Back, the Midwife Program that Roxanne Spring does, uh, which is very family-oriented. And uh, gee, that's that's amazing too. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we archive those on our website so that if you miss a show, a mm -hmm. live show, then you can go to our website and click on it and listen to that show. And mm -hmm. I know I like to do that. I recently did, uh, we recently did a two-part series on, with, uh, on Valley Talk with all of our three King County Council position candidates. And um, I found it very interesting. I found it fascinating. Um, and uh, it gives me a good idea, you know, who I am for, you know, for, for our King County Council. And um, people can go there. If they missed the, the shows when they aired uh, live, then they can go to that webpage and they can click on that and get a feel for the conversation that I had with our three candidates and where they stand on issues and what they see as important in the issues and their experience and background and all that kind of stuff. So they can do that with Tales from Told. You know, if you miss mm -hmm. it, you're, you're busy that, that Sunday evening, well, just wait a couple of days. It'll be on the website. You can go back and we've got those archived all the way back. So um, you can, you don't have to miss a show. If you, if you miss listening live, you can go on the website and listen to it. And I think that that's kind of a real nice feature as well. Oh, absolutely. And if you belong to an organization that has a very specific uh, a a goal mine like let's just take for instance with my program uh the uh, the told historical society 
they can actually go to their website to told and and actually link our program yes. because it's very relates right to them. And I'm sure that all the programs have those interest groups that are associated with that same type topic mm -hmm. that might find a particular program that's been archived on uh, 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 on our website to um, be a valuable resource that they want to to basically provide people that may not know about our um, uh, uh, our station and our shows. Right. And yeah, you can, you can copy that link, send it to anybody. Um, and they can put, I mean, I've had people with three women, three ways, copy the link and actually put it on their websites and put it in. I've even had people put it on their CVs, you know, when they did mm -hmm. a review uh, with me. So yeah, I think that, uh, you know, keeping track of that is, is really um, I think it's beneficial and we mm -hmm. are open to other shows. You know, if you people have, I, I, I'd like to see, um, we had a guest a couple of times on this show, um, talking about family activities. What can you do for free this week? What can you do, uh, you know, for work? What are good things to take the kids to this week? You know, what kind of activities can you do? I'd love to see an ongoing thing like that because we're not only about community, but communities are made up of families. And so we want, you know, we want to serve the whole family here. Um, and you're right, the music's great, you know, but we try to reserve some evenings and most of the weekends for the talk stuff so that we can actually serve the community. Of course, my big goal is to, I want to start a, a newscast uh, for our radio station, but uh, that involves a lot of time. And, mm -hmm. you know, and um, as, as you know, we're all volunteer here. We don't have any paid staff, um, which brings me to the point. I mean, if somebody would like to donate, you're welcome to do that on the website as well. Um, and that's uh, valley1049.org. There's no dot before the, 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 dot org yeah so anyway okay well that's enough of a pitch here but i think that you know the variety of shows that we have the variety of programming is is, is really you know it's it's really good i tend to go a lot toward the politicians and things like that but i've also you know interviewed people about kids activities and you know i'm, I'm the one i'm the big one that you know i want to have the the christmas stories read and the holiday stories read at christmas time and you know stuff like that i mean and and that's the benefit of having a community station you don't have you know, some big high-powered corporation saying, no, that's not going to bring in enough listeners. You have to do this or do you have to do that? And um, so, you know, okay, I, I'm done, Dwayne. I'll, I'll stop <laughs> the flag. Well, I do, I, I do hope that there's a listener to this program out there that uh, heard that uh, invitation for your concept about that one show, because I think that's an excellent idea. I hope someone uh, thinks about that and takes you up on that offer, because I think that that'd be a wonderful resource to families uh, yes. to have, uh, because I'll tell you why. Uh, there is so much in such a small area of our valley to see that without proper planning, you come out and you spend some time and you go back and then you realize we could have easily put this in or we could have easily there there's there's a certain way you can group your activities that make a lot of sense mm -hmm. so that you can have the most impact um uh with your time which is so precious to all of us you only have your children so long to keep them captive about this type of things and and put in a variety of things will keep their uh, interest speaking so that's a wonderful idea of a program because i know there's been a couple of attempts at putting together uh, like a, uh, like a Sonoma Valley travel agency uh, plan for people to, uh, to, so, so how do you come and you experience the Tolt Museum and do it in, if you're doing it in, uh, June, you might be able to squeeze some strawberry picking, uh, uh, in on that and then yeah. go to the petting farm or remnant farms, whatever. I mean, a whole bunch of activities that can be put together and grouped together. So it'd be nice if someone was kind of doing that to help yeah. facilitate uh, people's plan because there's, it's, it's a lot of hard work to try to figure out uh, well, um, and how to group these things all together. It is. And I think that sometimes we don't see the obvious. So for right. example, I'm thinking when, you know, I didn't do it with my kids when they were little because they weren't doing this, but I think it would be perfect to just pack a little lunch, take the kids in the car and drive around the valley to look at the, the marshmallow farms. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about when I say that, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but little things like that, you know, let's just go look at the marshmallow farm and it's like, whoa, right. you know, um, but little things like that. And you, some 
sometimes when you're so busy raising those kids, it, it just skips your mind. You don't think of it. And I suppose that's the benefit of being a grandparent. You have a little bit more time where you can start thinking of those things. But um, it, yeah, it, it's kind of fun. And, and you know, doing little road trips locally. I think the road trip is coming back thanks to COVID, which I'm grateful for. I mean, I'm I, I'm a huge fan of the road trip. I mean, every other year I try to, you know, do an 8,000 mile road trip at least, you know, and with shorter ones in between, you know, about a 1500 mile one here and a 1500 mile one there. And I just love my road trips and uh, you can do them fairly economically. I mean, I've been known to pack, <laughs> pack a box of canned goods. And when I stop at a hotel, I heat the baked beans in the, the coffee pot and call it a day, you know, I mean, done that. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. So it doesn't yeah. have to be terribly expensive. Um, but you can see amazing things. And I have never traveled somewhere where I haven't met amazing people. Um, and you can do that locally, too. I mean, if you don't have a week to travel or two weeks to travel, maybe you have an afternoon to travel. And there are some amazing things around here, you know, I'm outside, I'm out, you know, I mean, uh, just go for the day. And so I'd, I'd love to find somebody who could do a show about that to help people think about things that they can do economically and family wise, because both you and I know, Dwayne, that those years seem long when you're going day to day, but boy, it doesn't take long to get through it. And those kids are off doing their own thing. And, you know, you're, you're just, um, you know, you, you have to make make hay while the sun shines with those kids. You know, I, I remember uh, th this reminds me of a, a time a few years back. I was uh, at a convention and someone said, oh, I'd so love to be from the Seattle area. I would uh, you just that spacing. It looks so cool. Tell me, what is it like? And I'm looking at him and going, what do you mean? What's it like? Well, when you're up there, you know, what's that view like? And I'm going, well, I went there in the sixth grade for a field trip. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, what? Yeah. We watch, uh, oh, you know, that's it's, it's on Seinfeld every week, uh, or uh, not Seinfeld. Uh, um, oh, I just goofed a uh, talk. Uh, uh, he's a psychiatrist. Forgot, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who, what you mean. Um, uh, um, you know who I mean. Yes. The, uh, uh, it's it's on every week. You 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 live in the Seattle area and you haven't, uh, no, it's been decades. Yeah. So I come home. And I was telling that, and people were laughing. I was telling some friends, and they were laughing. And I can remember it was friends and relatives. And then someone asked a question. They said, and this is all carnation folks, okay? Yeah. And they said, okay, raise your hand. Who's been to Snoqualmie Falls in the last year? Nobody raised their hand. Yeah. Who's been to Snoqualmie Falls in the last five years? It's you could practically walk to it from Carnation. It's, nobody raised their hand. It's like, well, just always there. We don't need yeah. to go see it because it's always. No, it's it's a wondrous a spiritual yes. place yeah. for it's 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 a wonderful thing. Why do we take that stuff for granted? And so know. when you talk about making these road trips and seeing the sites, and some sometimes the place we need explorers in our own backyard because we actually don't. Yes. Yes. And think of the state parks around here. Um, I mean, I think of when you travel down, my, my daughter lives down in Oregon. And so every time I travel down there, I, you know, finally, about a year ago, I went, you know what? I have never stopped at the Nisqually Delta. So I mm -hmm. stopped and and went, and beautiful, a stunning place. You know, if you haven't yes. been there, stop there. And um, there's another one, I forget what it's called, Little State Parks that you just don't think to go to plan an extra hour, you know, and, mm -hmm. and go to them, but especially around your own home area, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's just really important. A, a friend and I uh, had planned a little trip for a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were just going to go down to the John Day fossil fields because we hadn't been there. And um, that didn't pan out for a couple of reasons. And so I said, okay, all right, we didn't get our, our week trip. So what we're going to do is we're going to plan a day trip. And it took us about 30 seconds to decide, haven't been on Chuckanut Drive for a long time. That's a really pretty drive. So we're going to go next week up to Chuckanut Drive, you know, mm -hmm. um, and see some a couple of state parks up there, a couple of places for nice fresh seafood. And, right. uh, you know, just you got to you got to enjoy the place you're at, you know. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah, amazing things. Um, let's talk about what's down the road for Tol Tales from Tolt. 
What what do you have on the on the docket that you're going to get? Yes, first of all, I'd like to I'd like to tell people uh, because I hope that nobody's misled by the name. Uh, uh, Tales from Tolt was just me trying to get a little uh, fancy with the name because I love the name Tolt. <laughs> I uh, like Tolt that <laughs> uh, yeah, people, people know that it's a it was the original name of the town of Carnation, and uh, uh, and a lot of things in Carnation are named Tolt, and uh, so that was only meant to be kind of a catchy little uh, a saying. It isn't centered around the Carnation area. Mm -hmm. I bet it basically it's uh, from uh, Monroe. It, I'm even using, I'm even covering a geographical area a little bit more than even probably the uh, air broadcast area of our station mm -hmm. of all the way from North Bend all the way down for a couple of reasons. Number one, because that is a geographical area that we call the Snoqualmie Valley. And I want to keep it all about the history of the Snoqualmie Valley. And two, um, really uh, um, listening to uh, over the air is, is a popular thing to do. And many people do it that way. But quite frankly, uh, I have, um, you know, some friends that are listening to my show now by the live link, which is what uh, people can do. And, and Streaming. once the show is played, they can go back and they can, view it later if their schedule allows and so uh so it, it's it's tales from told but it's i hope that the audience of it is uh expands to people outside of the valley um we're going to stay centered on topics that relate just to the upper and lower snoqualmie valley uh north bend all the way to a carnation and we are going to focus in the future on a lot of these stories about uh, different type of industries, the different type of people, the 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 changes that has uh, gone through um, uh, the valley to make it what it is today. We've even actually touched this on uh, 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 in some regards on some of the previous episodes. We got in this discussion a little bit with my uh, good uh, friends at. Uh, or my interviewees at uh, the Duval uh, Historical Society, where they basically say that the hippies, you know, kind of almost saved Duval. Duval was yeah. dying. Yes. And then a bunch of hippies came and brought their music and the Greek and the, uh, I see, I, it was called the Silver Spoon, but everybody called it the Greasy Spoon. Oh, I re oh uh, do you remember that? I remember that. Yes. The Silver Spoon started. Yes. And then some wild people decided to, you know, uh, drop an airplane or drop a uh, piano from the sky. Yes, yes. And there's a big piano drop and, yeah. and things got kind of weird. And some of the old timers kind of like, what's happening to our town? But quite frankly, you can drive in some parts of the country, I, I witnessed this to some degree in Eastern Oregon, to where, you know, the towns can really truly become just ghost towns. Yeah. When the agriculture dries up and nobody comes to town for a different... We do, you know, we do have the close proximity to Seattle that probably would never have allowed that to happen. It's always going to be uh, becoming kind of a bedroom community for Microsoft and others that are uh, the big industries. But however, before that all occurred, it was really in many ways, it was a um, it was going through some major changes as people moved off the farms. Mm -hmm. farms not only consolidated but far the large-scale dairy farming moved out of the valley to eastern washington and uh something had to kind of fill that void and now it's going through a change yet again mm -hmm. and uh, and such is life yeah. and it, we've we've touched on some of those uh, topics about how the valley has changed through the years uh, but I'm really, really going to be uh, interested in getting into some of our family histories because there's some really interesting uh, uh, families that uh, came and stayed and and uh, built those generations of of people that uh, were in that area. And I'm hoping to get some of those uh, interviews done, if for no other purpose, just to capture and make a half hour oral history of that family. Uh, to for 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 everybody to have it's almost like a history archive project so yes perfect and that's perfect and i really you know since most of our history is usually quite honestly kept about what the men do um mm -hmm. i would love to see i i keep saying you you have on your bucket list to write a book and i have i've already written a book not the kind that i wish i 
could have written. Um, but um, I really, I would like to do a series of children's books about how grandma used to do the laundry. You know, I mean, kids today don't have any concept of how our grandmothers, um, you know, carried it out, put it on the line, rolled it up, sprinkled it with water, put it, rolled it up so they could iron it. And, you know, um, how how grandpa used to plow the garden, you know, before you had electrical tools, you know, uh, just all of those household and, and living tasks that used to be done in a way mm-hmm. that has long been forgotten. I would love to just do a little series of children's books about that. You know, that sounds fascinating. That sounds interesting. Yeah. And like you said, the women histories are important to capture. And we're getting just a little bit off topic. But if you allow me just to divulge uh, there at the end, I forgive me, I can't remember what the last Saturday of, the, of August is, but it's uh, uh, at 7pm. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in one of my episodes upcoming at Tales from Told. But the uh, Davidson uh, family has the great honors of being the entire cast for the uh, Twilight Tales uh, uh, coming from the Novelty Cemetery. It's an annual event that they've done that that we haven't done it because of COVID. And it's where you dress up in period dress and talk about uh, your ancestors that uh, uh, lived before you. And my family is uh, doing, there's several cast members of my family that's portraying this. And what's going to be so interesting is we've decided to focus this on, they have to be people that are buried at the cemetery, but it's actually going to be a tribute to women uh, in the family because I grew up with, it was a great honor to grow up in a family that had very, um, almost ahead of their time women. And I, we're going to be uh, focused on those, starting off with my grandma, uh, my grandma Mitchell, and then her, her childhood, which involved raising, uh, she was an only child born to uh, William and Martha Weber, who lived in Seattle, where they both had professional careers. And Martha, her mother, was college educated. Oh my. My, my, her, her aunt, who was an RN, college educated herself, but had a farm in Duval, decided to... Um, that, uh, that she wanted to uh, uh, not have that kind of latchkey life for her. Uh, and so she raised her Monday through Fridays uh, in Duval. And then they had to transport. Uh, so she commuted back and forth from Seattle to, uh, to the family. And it's uh, this, this two women at the turn of the last century that were college educated, basically a family raising this uh, lone child, this daughter, uh, oh, and amazing. it's a kind of a tribute to women. And so yeah. uh, my sister, my daughter, and my cousin are playing uh, 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 the, the, the women that are there. And so there'll be more out to this, but please, it's a free event. Uh, and it's, a, it's up at uh, 7 p.m. at the graveyard. And oh, wonderful. In... Well, and Dwayne, you give us the details and we'll put those details on the website so people can go oh, be great. to valley1049.org and get the specifics on that because that sounds like a wonderful time. Yeah. Uh, just wonderful. Well, I, 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 I just can't tell you how many more things I'd like to know about what's coming up for you and what's going on in the show <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we are uh, just about out of time. Um, but gosh, I, that, the, that event sounds really fascinating. Do you have to be a local? Do you have to have been, have, do your ancestors have to be local for that? <laughs> they have to be buried. They not only have to be local, they have to be buried at that cemetery. Oh my gosh. Okay. You have to stand on their grave while you recite their. Uh, oh you're, my you're gosh. Of, you're, How you're cool kind is of that? Living them. And so in period dress. But yeah. And, and, and this topic about future uh, topic, I can just throw this right out there real quick. Folks, if you have an idea about an upcoming uh, project involving the history, uh, a person you'd like to see interviewed and something like that, would you please uh, email me? Uh, at uh, Valley. So it's Dwayne.Davidson at Valley1049.org. Yes. And if you'd like to reach me, it's Heather.Stark at Valley1049.org. 
So that's it, Dwayne. We're out of time, but I hope you'll come back as you get a little bit further down the road with your shows. And maybe okay. we can have just kind of a, a little round table with some of our talk show hosts to talk about some of the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of doing talk <laughs> That'd shows. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we thank you. Always a good conversation and always a very enjoyable hour spent with you, Dwayne. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening to Valley Talk. We're right here every Sunday and Tuesday nights, right here on Valley 104.9 FM.